hi, I'm Poncha Moeller from Rob Zombie's 31 movie. I play Sickhead. I'm coming at you. You are listening to Without Your Head. Stay tuned. station of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by colin g cooper he's a video director it's very cool to have you here very much it's cool to be here yeah it's very fun watching all your videos they're pretty wild oh cool i'm glad you uh, watched them yeah it's uh interest it's uh, a little different for the show um do they show a lot of uh, music videos at festivals um at certain festivals yeah i didn't i wasn't really familiar with whether or not they're shown at genre festivals but uh kind of the the purpose of me doing genre music videos over the past couple of years is because i'm trying to get into the genre film space um and so i started researching genre festivals and discovered that quite a few of them actually do take music videos and now you mentioned actually my local one, Boston Underground Film Festival. They always have the they have a whole block of uh, music. It's not necessarily horror, but it's just weird uh, music videos. Cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, you have a music video playing at Shriekfest coming up, and that's very cool. I do. With a, with an artist that you work a lot with. Yeah, she uh, she's actually the reason I got into music videos. Uh, I was working in television at the time as an editor. And her uh, manager was one of my best friends and he just, you know, I also had experience directing and he asked if I would do a music video for no money. And uh, her and I ended up getting pretty, pretty close uh, in the process. And uh, uh, she's called Tasha the Amazon. And in, uh, I'm live in Toronto and in Canada, there's this, uh, 
there was until recently um, a major network in Canada. Do you know Much Music in Canada? It's like our MTV. No. It's, uh, it's our equivalent of MTV. They, uh, they used to have a funding program where they would give up to $30,000 to fund a music video, oh, which nice. is very significant, yeah. obviously. And we, had, we got one of those grants shortly after we had made that first video. And uh, that video went on to win best hip hop video at the much music music video awards, which are kind of like our, um, like, uh, MTV VMAs. And they're, they're pretty much as big. Like we had like the Jonas brothers were hosting the year that we won. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah. And like Lord perform and stuff. So pretty much on the same level as the, as the MTV VMAs. Yeah. I should have mentioned this probably right away, but it's a uh, forever King, which is the, um, is the music video that's going to be playing at Shriekfest. And as you said, by Tasha, the Amazon. Now, does, uh, are all her music like fit into the, into the genre, into a horror genre? No, we, um, the album that that song is from, as well as the other songs of hers that I sent you videos for, that's, that's all from one album that had for her came from like a, a sci-fi, uh, headspace. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, because I had wanted to play around with those genres, we discussed it, you know, if she was open to doing more sci-fi and then we have the one that's a little bit more horror as well, a hell of a ride. Um, and she was open to it. So we, we went in that direction. No, uh, you said, you know, this is something you wanted to get into uh, genre film. So are you a horror movie fan? You're a sci-fi fan? Very, very much so. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, horror movies changed my, my life for, for the better at the time. But, uh, when I was in preschool, I had a, uh, a babysitter who was a bit of a wimp. And um, I was watching um, Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. Okay. And this was VHS days. And after Beetlejuice, my parents had recorded the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So he, this not brave babysitter, was afraid of Beetlejuice. So he went upstairs and I watched it alone and I was like four or five and uh, it just went right into a nightmare on Elm street afterwards. Cause he had fallen asleep upstairs. So I ended up watching that movie as, as a four or five year old and I uh, developed um, sleep paralysis from it. Oh. Um, and in my, in my sleep paralysis, paralysis episodes, I would see, Freddy Krueger and you know he would like be in the corner of the room at first and then he would approach my bed eventually and then I would wake up and I had those from that age until I was uh like 12 years old finally oh I thought you said you did change for your bet for the better it doesn't sound like it was changed so for the better for the better now it was was for the worst at the time but it just got me in into the genre you know and then you know now I love now I love the genre yeah so during that period, though, were you continue? Did you continue to watch horror movies, or did you stay away from them for those like six years? I I became curious about horror movies and watched more of them, but I couldn't watch any of the uh, subsequent Nightmare on Elm Street films. It was really triggering just to see him at all. Uh, we used to have in the town that I grew up in. There's this rental place called Bandito Video. And I remember when they released one of those, they had like the cardboard, life-size cardboard cut out of Freddy in the store. And I couldn't even go in, like I would just wow. break out crying, yeah. you know, I couldn't even go in the store to rent videos. Have you watched him since? Can you watch him now? Or? I've watched all of them since. Yeah. And actually my, um, uh, Rachel Talale, she's a, 
she directed one of them. She teaches directing at the the film school oh, that wow. I went went to, actually, in the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Or do you have a favorite? The original is. Yeah, I, yeah, it's kind of. I think it's more like do you have a favorite sequel? Uh, oh yeah, I like the. Uh, um, uh, is it the? It's the second one, right? Where it's uh, it's oh, become it's, be, it's become in in the queer community. Yeah. It's become like yeah, I, I really like that one. Yeah, that one's good too. And I think a most underrated one is uh, New Nightmare, just because I think it's interesting and self I really like that one actually, yeah. and I like that it was him coming back to you know put his uh, yeah. as, a direct, as a director to you know put his his uh, fingerprint on it again in a, in yeah. a different way. Yeah. And I kind of like the whole idea. It's kind of uh, most horror fans are, you know, they uh, all those franchises is really about the villain, and it's an interesting question, like why are we attracted to the villain? Yeah. Also, that was one of the like being that meta wasn't really in. Yeah, right. yet, it, yet. It's that kind was, of overdone it, at this point. But yeah. yeah, but it was ahead of its time in that in that sense for sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was pretty wild um, makeup in um, in Forever Ten. Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, specifically in reference to the, the artist Robin Eisenberg. She does these, um, I guess they're supposed to be alien. I don't know for sure, but it's like similar to the, the video. They're just, they're uh, drawings of, of alien girls just like hanging out doing, you know, casual things. And we that was a big inspiration for us. And so we just found um, a really great uh, uh body paint artist to, to do that. And then the, the actress was willing to, you know, like that's her real hair. She, she was willing to get rid of most of her hair and just keep that, um, oh, the bunch at the top that's the same color as the wardrobe and, uh, you know, long braids. And is that hard? Is that hard? To, do you have to continually touch it up? Does it like rub off the, uh, the body? Paint? So it's, it's really high quality body paint. So it doesn't rub off unless you really, um, you know, if, if you like got dragged on something, you know, or accidentally pushed hard against something that was really fibrous, uh, you, you would take some of it off, but, uh, there really wasn't much touch ups. The only stuff we really had to touch up was like the bottoms of her feet. Cause obviously they're walking yeah. around. Yeah. Gets, yeah. I assume that it is it hard to get off or do they have like some, something, you know, a substance to, uh, yeah, there's, there's a solution of sorts that, that you use to uh, that you, you know shower and use it like a cleanser. Yeah. So when you're coming up with uh, music videos, like I don't know how it works. Is there a script? Is it like a traditional, like a like a short movie or something? It really depends. Um, I was I was with an agency for a while, which is how I did the one of the ones that I said you. That's like a bigger video for an artist called Rez, who's actually quite a big electronic artist these days. Um, with the agency, it's, it's more like, it's a more, it's more akin to like the commercial world where when they have a project, they send it out to all these agencies and the directors on that agency's roster can pitch on it. And some people pitch in like a pseudo screenplay format, almost like a treatment or, you know, like a scriptment mm-hmm. mix. Yeah. And other people just pitch with visuals, references and, and some description. I lean, I, I used to lean in that direction when I was working with an agency just because it seemed to get more responses. People don't like to read, I guess. <laughs> I guess it. All right. <laughs> Especially if they're getting a ton, you know. 
yeah, but with, yeah. with with some artists once you establish a relationship with them um like with with tasha we uh she just comes to me directly and actually after that res video i was going to do her next video and it was same situation no pitching was involved she just her team just came directly to me but it, it got canceled we we had actually already started pre-production and book locations and everything when uh lockdown started in, in 2020 yeah so just, when, when when it's uh, someone that you work a lot with um like do they are, are how involved are they do they do they come up with ideas or do they have a basic idea of the video or is it kind of like you hear the song and this is my idea that also varies pretty pretty widely. Some artists, um, I would say, some of the time it's because they trust your idea, but other times, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately makes it sound bad. But some artists don't really—they're not that invested in the the music videos that are released for them, which seems strange to me. And so they just kind of—you're mostly developing the idea or communicating the idea with their managers. And they don't have a lot of input, which is, you know, it doesn't feel quite as good because even if you do a really good job, it's, it's, uh, it feels yeah, better when they're, the when they're thing. into it too. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, some artists are very hands-on, which can also be good or bad because sometimes, you know, you're buttheads. But. <laughs> right. And, uh, so, um, when you finish the video, um, so, so are they watching it while you're making it, or are they just do they just see the the end product? Um, or you know, it probably varies, I guess. Yeah, it does vary. They, um, I mean, when they're in it, obviously they're they're seeing it being made. Uh, but even then, so the um, the one uh, again with Res, which is features the uh, drummer and singer from Under Oath, which is you know like a pretty big metal band. Um, in fact, that the year that we did that video, they had been nominated for the Grammy for, for uh, oh. Best Metal Performance. So in that case, because most of the video is is Erin from Under Oath, uh, Rez, she came and we shot all of her scenes up at the top because she had a very busy schedule. And then she was gone for the rest of the shoot. She was there for maybe a, a, a quarter of the shoot. And then uh, and then it was just with, with Aaron for the rest of it. Uh, do you play the music a lot, like while you're filming it, so you guys like you get the feel of the music while it's while you're shooting? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, also when they're if you have performance scenes where they're they're singing to the song as well, obviously, yeah, we, we do play oh, yeah. back on set. Right, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a hip hop fan? I am a hip hop fan. Yeah, um, less so recently. But uh, traditionally, I am, yeah. Yeah. What are your, some of your favorites? My favorites? Wow. Um, I'm going to try to not say any, like, really obvious ones that are, like, everybody's favorite. <laughs> uh, there's people that I'm really into, but that I, I feel like like I'm into and I'm not. The, the, I really like the uh, Kanye West album, Yeezus but then I really don't like the rest of his catalog. There was a, it, ha, it was very, um, it was a darker, more experimental vibe and it had some like industrial influence that I really liked. Um, I've, I get more into lesser known people. There's this guy called Zebra Cats who's uh, 
I guess he's he's gaining some steam, but uh, he's very also like a darker industrial vibe to it. Um, Saul Williams, he's uh, I I would say his his moment where he was the most known is I think this was in like the mid two thousands. Um, Trent Reznor uh, produced an album for him that was very interesting and had like a. a a very different vibe for what was mainstream hip hop at the time. And I really, I listened to that album a lot. Uh, yeah, those are some of my favorites. Interesting. So like I was saying earlier, um, I think, you know, it's interesting that they play the music videos at the, at, uh, at the festivals. And I think that's really cool. Cause not only um, when you're watching a movie on the big screen, I think some people overlook the sound and you really right. feel it. So the music video really plays with that. But um uh, when you're making it, I, normally, you know, music videos are on TV or on a uh, on, online nowadays. So when you're filming it, um, as opposed to somebody's making a, a movie, they probably, you know, think in their mind, this is uh, this is, you know, meant to be seen cinematic. So right. um, do you think of your as your videos of uh, cinematic when you're making them? I try to. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes when you're working with bigger artists that have like a marketing team involved, they can become obsessed with um, social media formats. Right. And it becomes on Instagram. Exactly. And it becomes harder to argue for high quality um, cameras, high quality equipment, even having a big crew because to them, they think, well, most people are going to see this on social media. So why, should we pay you to, you know, why should we pay extra to have a cinema camera, et cetera? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that sucks. But, <laughs> but uh, yep. it's usually, usually when you have an artist who's really involved in the video process, it's, it's pretty easy to be like, Hey, let's, can we shoot this on an Alexa? You know? And they're usually like, yeah, cause it makes them excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you're, when it's a less involved artist and you're mostly dealing with their promotions people or their label, it becomes more about, well, what's the end product and what's the most affordable way we can do this. And yeah. It reminds me of a quick stories. I was on set uh, on a movie or short film I was in and I was the oldest person there. And, and anyway, the, one of the younger, uh, they're all, you know, but one of the guys, he was like, uh, he does podcasts too. And he mentioned that he p- uh, puts them on Instagram and uh th- but anyway so they're all under 60 seconds and i was like so like clips and he's like no that's, that's the whole the whole thing and i was like i don't under- i don't understand and like <laughs> and i'd mentioned i had some interviews that are four hours this one won't be four hours so don't worry yeah. but uh and he just he was he was he couldn't understand as much as i couldn't understand the 60 second one but so i actually yeah. went and looked at another time and they weren't even full sentences they were like like buzzwords of, and it was like an interview, but it was cut down to like these buzz. And I just, I couldn't wrap my head around why anyone would make this, but apparently people won't watch it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's plenty of content for, uh, they could compete for uh, shortest attention span. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so have you been to a, a festival or, uh, you've seen uh, your videos on the big screen with people? I have. Yeah. I, um, I went to the May version of Film Quest, which was held over from 2020. Um, and that was really cool. I had two two videos playing there. And um, previous to that, I had um, 
in Toronto, there's this thing every year called Toronto New Wave, which is a festival dedicated to what they consider kind of like the new wave of like talent in various categories short films and music videos are, are two of them and they have like VR stuff and and I had a video playing in that as well I think those are the only times I've seen my videos play on on the big screen what's that experience like you know seeing something you made with an audience on, on the big screen yeah it's great it's great I mean I was actually more excited just because you know I grew up in uh, I'm in my mid-30s so I grew up when you know MTV is was yeah. King and, and in Canada, much music. And um, so that was like the benchmark for me. It was like, if you videos playing on TV, that's, that's really cool. And uh, luckily the first of the first couple of bigger budget videos that I did were when much music in Canada still was popular and still aired music videos. And the first time that I saw one on much music, that was for me, it was like, ah, because I used to, you know, I would yeah, watch yeah. that as a kid, and I was like, "Oh, that's great!" Yeah, that's awesome. Like, do you have any favorite music videos of you know, of your youth? Of my youth, oh yeah, yeah. man, a lot. Um, I was a huge fan of, and still am a huge fan of uh, Mark Romanek. So he did like um, Nine Inch Nails, Closer, which is still one of the greatest. Even if I you actually, don't, I actually listened to uh, the whole album on my walk earlier today. Oh my god, yeah. Popular, yeah. <laughs> Great. That's yeah. incredible. Usually album. I listen to stuff that I, you know, I listened to in high school. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he did Perfect Drug as well. He did um, uh, Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt. He did uh, Scream, the Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson, okay, which yeah. at the time was the most expensive music video ever made. Um, yeah. At, at, Mo at the MoMA in New York Museum of Modern Art, there's like a handful of music videos that are in there permanent 35 millimeter collection because they're considered culturally relevant and uh three of them are, are his see so was just incredible and then there's a uh, from toronto uh floria sigismondi she's her background's italian but she's from toronto and she like her biggest her first big thing was uh, the beautiful people oh, yeah. manson and then she went on to do a, a lot of bowie videos and she kind of popularized a number of aesthetics that became standard in horror, like um, the uh, body motion where something... Kind of the jerky kind of... Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. And then she did uh, what people call lens whacking, you know, where you unseed the lens and move it around so that your depth of field yeah. gets really wacky and, and, and blurry. Uh, yeah. And she doesn't actually receive as much credit as she should for that stuff. But uh, And she went on to do, you know, she di she's directed now like multiple episodes of uh the handmaid's tale and some of the marvel series like punisher and stuff like that so she's uh you know she's she's yeah. still she's still doing now that. you mentioned that like i mean it's everywhere the the herky-jerky kind of thing and it's, uh but yeah i think that's the first time i saw it was probably in the in the man yeah absolutely yeah for sure yeah so uh what made you want to you get into so when you started to become an editor and everything was your goal to eventually like i want to make music videos i want to make movies like you know what was uh what did you want to pursue i kind of had a pretty specific idea of what i wanted to do which was i was gonna edit and then every once in a while i was gonna i wanted to direct mm -hmm. um, essentially i didn't want to be a career director and i still don't think i want to i just i have seen people um and got to meet some pretty 
big people when I was in film school who are like career directors. And to me, you're committing so much of yourself to something when you're directing that I, I think it would be really soul sucking to do that on things that you didn't love and you're doing it because it was your career. It's like, Oh, this one's just for a paycheck. And I just feel like that would be really, that would hurt a lot. And I think probably hurts your craft over time. Um, but editing, I love, I love not being around other people for one thing. So that's <laughs> helpful. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, everybody thinks, you know, writers think writing is the most important step of filmmaking. Directors think shooting is and editors think editing is, but when you're editing, that's the, the time that the film is actually being that's made. Actually then. putting it all together. Yeah, yeah. And then it's over. There's no, nobody can help, help you after that. That's, that's it. So it's a very, you know, incredibly important I mean, I know step. People told me stories about, you know, fixing a movie and editing where, you know, it needed fixing and other you know, people said, you know, movie might've been ruined in the editing. So. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, what's it called? Uh, Coppola, um, the conversation. Mm-hmm. He get when he won, when he won the palm, I might be wrong about which award. I'm pretty sure it's the palm door. Uh, he won the palm door for that and gave it to, um, uh, what the hell's his name? The editor, because he, uh, in his, in Coppola's opinion, he had, uh, Walter Murch, that's his name, the editor, had, uh, you know, saved, saved the movie and editing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so as an example, you're right. Yeah, there's, uh, that, that definitely occurs where movies are saved in editing or ruined in editing. I mean, that's the, but when you hear about a director saying that, um, you know, the producers ruined the movie or whatever, that it was taken away from them, that's editing, you know, that's yeah. somebody edited it differently than how the director wanted it edited. Right. I mean, uh, like a movie I really like Brazil. I don't know if you know. Movie Incredible. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got, you know, several cuts of the movie. And like, if you watch the, uh, if you watch his cut, it's amazing. And then if you watch the, the, you know, um, like the, the cut that they put out theatrically, it's a totally different movie. And yeah, absolutely. The whole point of the film. And, you know, that happens a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't know if the, uh, if, um, Lynch's version was ever released of, of Dune, but the, the, the Dune that was released theatrically was not his intention. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I yeah, remember but, when it first came out, they even gave you like a pamphlet of like, it would, to like explain what was happening. It was very strange. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense though. Yeah. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, you know, the, the Italian cut of it, like they cut out all the comedy. I don't think it's as fun, but but yeah, it's interesting. You can take oh, the yeah. same movie and just cut it, and it's I was a just, completely different thing. Oh yeah, it could have a completely different tone pacing. So, but sorry, I was just confirming it was the Palm Door for the conversation oh, okay. that yeah they won, and, and then Coppola gave it to Walter Murch because he felt that he had saved, he had made them be what it was. So have you um, you know, you said you would like to eventually do, do a movie or so. Have you done like shorts, short films? Uh, very very long time ago, when I was in film school. Um, I, I did two shorts as a director and, uh, at the time Toronto, uh, TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival used to do uh, a student showcase every year. Um, and, uh, I don't remember how many films they chose for each year, but, you know, small amount. And my grad film, uh, was screened at TIFF student showcase that year. Um, but I didn't, I haven't done any, uh, 
shorts since that time because I just went into editing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have over several years, like beginning in 2014, have built this. Uh, I have five features in a television series that are all connected in the same universe that I'm, uh, I think two of them I, I'm ready to, to find people to, to make them with, but the, the rest of them not yet. I put a lot of research <laughs> into them. They're all, uh, they're part of the reason that I think they're ready now is that um, they're all um, sociopolitical allegory. And in recent years, the subjects that they're about have become people right. care about more than they yeah. did. That's one of the great things about genres that you can talk about those things without. It's the best way to, yeah. it's the best because if you're not doing it in a way where you're shoving an issue in someone's face, right. using it as subtext or, you know, even where it's not technically subtext in something like uh, get out, it's still done in a way where you don't feel like you're being spoken down to. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, one of the great things about genre comedy is similar in that way, too. And uh, It's really weird that people on social media today, like, think that's, like, a new thing. Because I'll see people, like, talk about the new Candyman. Or even (laughs) I even was in an argument. People were telling me that Star Star Trek does that now. And I was like, have you ever watched the original show? Yeah. (laughs) That's, like, the whole point of the original series. Yeah. I mean, even the first Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Genres. Been, been speaking to political issues for a very long time. Do you foresee editing your own things as different? Because then you're, you have to cut stuff out that maybe you're personally connected to, or because talking to people on the show, a lot of, a lot of uh, directors I know who are editors by, by, by a uh, trade, but like uh, that's like their day job are a little better uh, editing their own things. Cause they can see it as the story as opposed to like that. They're uh, personally connected to something. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I still haven't decided how I feel about that, uh, how I'm going to do that in my own work. As a, for, as a music video director, I edit all my own stuff. But part of that is just because I've edited for a long time, uh, when I'm planning a shoot as a director, I have the edit in my head. And I don't mean to like, condescend to anybody else who's a director and not an editor, but I hear directors say that who are not editors, but then I see how they work. You know, I've, I've visited sets of friends or directors often and they don't, you know, they say, Oh, I know the edit already. And it's like, well, if you really knew the edit, you you wouldn't be getting cut. You wouldn't be getting this extra coverage that you're not going to use. And I know you're not going to use it because I know you've explained this, this show to me. Um, But uh Um, but there's another side to it, which is it can be beneficial to just have somebody else's translation or interpretation of the work, you know? So as a director, it can be beneficial to work, even if you can edit, to have an editor who's, you know, really good to, to have their own stab at it. So I don't know. It's kind of like a a battle between uh, like efficiency and uh, inspiration on that, on that front. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Also, because because of the the projects that I want to do, these features and the series that I want to do, because of the political um, elements that are in them, I don't think I'm going to uh, direct them alone. I'd like to collaborate with people who are actually representative of the uh, the, the demographic that uh, is being spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so in that case, it changes how I would be invested in terms of editing my own work. Um, so, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So I assume you, you're not going to be a shriek fest because you're in Canada and I know I am. I'm going to be, I can oh, you I are. Will be a shriek. Fest oh, very else. that's awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be at shriek fest and then I'll be at uh, film film quest again too in, in October. Oh, nice. Very cool. Uh, well, that's a stupid question. I was asking, are you looking forward to watch? Obviously, you're not going to go and just watch your own, your own thing. So <laughs> I assume you're, you're and, and you're into the genre, so you, I assume you're going to go and watch some of the uh, the other horror films. And- yeah, and actually some f- people that I met at uh, Film Quest in uh, end of May, early June, that I befriended have projects playing there as well. Nice. Um, and that's a good way to... Uh, you know, to find other people that you might work with on your own uh, features. Yeah. There's one, uh, a couple of people that I got closer to than others. Do you know, uh, I hope I don't say his name wrong, Vincente DeSanti? That uh, actually ne- name sounds Never, cool. Never Hike Alone. The Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, the, yeah, the guy who directed that. I, I met him at um, Film Quest, and he's a cool guy. And I actually, I help run this... Uh, um, or help run as an overstatement. I'm, I'm like a creative consultant for this uh, big like metal and punk festival in, in Las Vegas called Psycho Las Vegas. And uh, he had, he was already going to the festival for a friend's bachelor party. And so when they came up, you know, I, I hooked them up with like uh, VIP passes and all this stuff. Um, and uh, he has a, a project that he produced that's, that'll be playing at Shriek Fest. So I'll, uh, I'll definitely catch that and, and a couple of other people ha- that I met at, at Film Quest have projects playing as well that I'll definitely catch. Yeah. No, uh, Film Fest, uh, that's, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier, one of the things I really missed uh, during the pandemic was, uh, I mean, I love to watch movies online and, and uh, on my TV and stuff, but I watch them on the big screen and with fellow, uh, you know, fans of the genre. It's a yeah. Experience. Yeah, I did. Um, I, I, I went to some screenings at, at TIFF this year and uh, they did like a mixed there were still digital screenings, but they're in-person screenings, you know, they had it. So it's like for every two people, there's two empty seats next right. to them. And, and it was, but it was cool. It was amazing to, cause they didn't do it like that in 2020, obviously. And uh, it was amazing to be back. And I don't know if you've ever been to TIFF or you're that I familiar with it. Oh, you know, I know the, it, but I've been to it. Yeah. The, the midnight madness program at TIFF is like the best, in my opinion, genre program at any festival. And I've gone to a lot of festivals and uh, it was great to see that back. They the, they opened it this year with um, uh, Titan, um, Julia DeCorno, who did Raw. Oh, okay, yeah. Her her new feature. It's yeah. she. It won the Palm d'Or. She won the Palm d'Or this this year, with it, and it's insane. It's the it's it's so good, and it's just, but it's crazy. And uh, yeah, you should check. Yeah, it out. I you, saw the trailer. But yeah, that yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah that's very cool and it's cool that you're uh so into this and i'm uh, looking forward to your future work yeah thanks yeah yeah and uh you have a lot of your uh videos on your website i do yeah yeah because i use that for getting work yeah of course yeah right <laughs> I just send them to the to the website yeah which Most, is, what, is, what is the website i don't have it i should I, you know it's I, uh just colin g cooper all is one word dot dot com yeah well that's easy to remember yeah it is yeah, people should go check that out. I think. 
<laughs> yeah, please, please, people, check it out. If you're a musician, hire me for a music video. There you go. <laughs> and uh, where can people follow you? Well, they can go to your website, but uh, do you have other social media? I do not, other than Instagram. Huh? I don't use Facebook or Twitter, but uh, and then Instagram is the same. It's just my name, Colin G. Cooper, all one word, no dots or anything. Yeah. I was uh, I was suspended uh, a few times this last couple months from Facebook. One three days, one seven days. But I noticed when I was uh, gone seven days, I got a lot more done in life. <laughs> <laughs> that is well, one of the one of the reasons I do not use Twitter or Facebook anymore is because of uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, maybe I should just stay off this thing. Yeah, you can burn a lot of time for yeah with <laughs> to argue with nothing the, argue with complete morons about you know. Something yeah, totally or just crazy. get really angry and ruin your day yeah. for no reason. Right. right. Like, why am I here? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's what people think when they're watching my show. No. I'm just <laughs> okay. This has been very fun. And I hope yeah, you been. check out your uh, videos at Shriekfest, your video Shriekfest. Cool. And uh, yeah, we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, cool. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. The tomb of Nick Cage. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming